Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to harness the power of media. I'm Bianca Mitchell. And I'm Quincy Walker. New Mexico homeless population is growing each year. Tonight, we will speak with youth who are organizing to help. We'll hear from Reed Pike from New Day Unity about their work against Albuquerque's panhandling ordinance. And my co-host, Quincy Walker, will tell us about his new Hydrate the Homeless project and how you can help. And throughout the night, we'll hear from our music host, Lily Lacau, with some cool tunes. Lily? Hello, everyone. I'm Lily Lucau, your music host for this evening. There's some great music tonight, so stay tuned. Our first song of the evening is Come Together by The Beatles. For 40 years, New Day Youth and Family Services has worked to serve young people in, a, in need of shelter and resources. New Day Unity, or Uniting Neighborhoods, involving the youth, is a youth-led group that works to empower young people. Now, GJ Youth producer Lily Lukow speaks with Reed Pike, a youth leader with New Day Unity. This is Lily Lukow with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Reed Pike a 19-year-old social justice activist at New Day Unity, uniting neighbors involving the youth. Welcome to Generation Justice, Reed. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Would you please tell us more about yourself? Yeah, so I am a, I'm 19 years old. I am a youth on the, in the group Unity. Unity stands for Uniting Neighbors Involving the Youth. Um, I'm currently attending CNM to obtain my social work degree, and I I'm a social justice activist who likes to think that I'm pretty involved in the community. Thank you so much. What made you want to become a social worker? Um, there's a lot of things that made me want to become a social worker, but personally, um, I went through a lot of my own problems when I was younger. I, I got in trouble, started getting into the wrong crowds, um, and got in a really low place, and I was going in a really wrong direction with my life at one point, and... I had a social worker, who's actually a really good friend of mine, um, bring light to me and help me steer myself into the right direction. So having that done to me inspired me to want to be able to help people in the same way I was helped. So yeah. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, more specifically, what made you want to work around homelessness and youth? Yeah, so um, I mean, I think personally that the most vital point in change is when you're younger and you're still developing and you're still becoming who you are and um, like for me that was what changed me is because I was still becoming who I am. I still am becoming who I am but it it's a, a really important group of people that I believe need to that need to have a voice and need to be more present in our decisions that are made on these people. Thank you. Can you tell us more about New Day Unity? Yes, so New Day Unity. Um, so Unity is a group that was created through New Day. 
New Day is a youth shelter that is ran through CYFD. I've actually been to this shelter. I, I was a client there multiple times through probation and actually being a, a homeless youth. And um, Unity is a group that was created through New Day. It was created about a year ago. Um, at first, it was they were sort of just playing around with ideas, and then it actually got a lot more serious, and we started getting more people involved, and now we're actually establishing ourselves. I've been involved with Unity for almost a year now, about nine months, going on my 10th month. But yeah, we're a group that likes to um, basically do things that we see fit in our community, like policy change, um, cultural awareness. Um, we're actually doing something for Pride as well. We're going to be doing a float. And so we just like to stay involved within our community and creating unity, like our name. Awesome. Thank you. Um, why do you think it is important for people who have been homeless to be a part of advocating for the rights of homeless people? I think it's, to answer that question, I think the people closest to the problem have the best solutions to the problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, when these people that don't even have an understanding for what these people are going through and are non-empathetic whatsoever are making these decisions, it's, it's pretty problematic. Thank you. Can you tell us about the panhandling ordinance and how that affects our homeless community? Yes. So <clears throat> a few months back, our Albuquerque City Council passed this panhandling ordinance that prohibits people from standing in the median and panhandling. And not even just panhandling, you can be um, fundraising. So even firefighters with the boot can be criminalized for standing in the median and asking for donations and also if you're a car that's driving by and you stop and give this person money that's in the median you can be criminalized for that as well so it's um it's a it's a problem that our city was to pass this without keeping these people involved in what it what it is i mean the crazy thing is this whole ordinance was passed without any advocates for homeless any um, advocates for youth any advocates for the actual affected group is not wasn't present during this and it's almost unknown about too we actually unity we went and spoke with um multiple homeless people on our streets and almost all of them didn't even know what we were talking about when we spoke about the ordinance so i mean the fact that these people can be criminalized for something that they don't even know about it's it's pretty absurd it's pretty crazy to me yeah that's really upsetting to hear how did this ordinance even really get started yeah so um our city councilor Trudy Jones from District 8 brought this ordinance into play. Um, and when thinking about District 8, it's actually funny because District 8 is our far northeast heights and far northeast foothills. So you're talking about our way wealthier community, higher income, um, you know, where the less you see the least panhandlers is the representative for that is making the decisions on these low income low, uh, how would you say, communities, which could be very problematic because we're not, they're not connected, they're not together the way they should be. Mm -hmm. um, thank you. I understand that you created a workshop about the ordinance. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So we created this workshop. What we did is we talked, we, we actually had this event. It was called Fight for Their Rights, and it was yesterday. Um, it went all the way from 12 to 9, but we had a youth forum where we introduced the panhandling ordinance, talked about what it was, who bring it into play, and then um, we asked people to empathize and we, we actually passed out these stories of 
like hypothetical um, situations of people experiencing homelessness, and we ask them to envision themselves in this problem problem state, this panic state, and how they would feel and what they would be going through and um, what their next steps might be in existing and trying to trying to just stay alive. I mean, so yeah, we talked about that. And then we also talked about what solutions we could put forth and push our city council to actually do instead of just oppress our people and criminalize them. We talked about solutions like a 24-hour drug rehabilitation, more drop-in centers, more beds for homeless people. I mean, we have more homeless people than we do beds and shelters for homeless people. So it's it's not right that we're going to just push this issue aside and try not to think about it, not see it, but really not actually try to help the people involved in it and the people that are being oppressed in the targeted community. Wow, that sounds like a really powerful event that you were a part of, so thank you for that. How can our community become more involved? Um, when thinking about that question, I think it's a good question to ask, how can our community become more empathetic? Because to become more involved, you have to care. And I mean, to care, you have to know. So, I mean, to become more involved is to educate yourself on what's really going on to our people and what's really being put forth. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would like to add, Reed, to just tell our community, the people who are listening? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd like to say instead of looking at our homeless people with judgment, when you see these people on the street panhandling and asking for money, um, just don't be so quick to judge. Look at them with compassion and empathy and try to really put yourself in their shoes and what may be going on in their head and try to feel what they're going through instead of just looking at them through such a one-sided lens. Also, I'd like to make a shout-out to Shakir and Riley, Celinda, Monica from Save the Kids, Keeper, and Swap. Much love, everybody. Thank you so much, Reed. I think that everything that you're talking about hold so much importance, especially because you are someone who has experienced homelessness, can really add such a powerful voice to what's going on and really like show that there's a lot more layers to what's happening than how people sometimes present it. So I think that it's really important what you're doing. And I just want to thank you so much for having this interview with us. Thank you so much. I'd also like to say a shout out to Cesar. Sorry about that. No problem. For GJ, I'm Lily Lukau. Back to you, Bianca and Quincy. Thank you, Reed, for all the work that you and New Day Unity are doing in our community. You are very inspiring. Thank you for your time and knowledge, Reed. What is our next song, Lily? Our next song is Treat the Youth Right by the amazing Jimmy Cliff. Another young person who is working to make life a little bit easier for our homeless population is my co-host, Quincy Walker. Quincy, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and your project? Well, I was raised in the Soto Pueblo in South Valley most of my life, and I don't know, when you live there, you kind of learn a lot about just homeless life because that's really what you see, just driving to school or getting to place to place, and... 
really I just kind of the person that doesn't like to see that for our brothers and sisters out in the street. And my project is called Hydrate the Homeless. I called it that because for my birthday, June 7th, I'm going to be handing out water bottles, food, Gatorade, etc. And I just want to put a positive me message out there. And what I planned for this is to get people to recognize that it's not just bums and people on drugs out there. It's our brothers and sisters, moms, dads, children out there. I see children out there at the bus stations, homeless, hot, dehydrated, just wanting to go somewhere, but they have no home. And it's hard to see that, knowing that I was homeless as well, too, at one point. And I just want to accomplish that. We all have a place in life, and if you maintain the same thing every day, it's going to bring you to a selfish point, but I'm trying to bring people to a selfless level of their life and think of others before they think of themselves, and I also just want to bring people together in a positive way and just hydrating the homeless and feeding them because they're hungry and hot. It's summertime. It's 91 degrees outside, and... They don't deserve this and just want to recognize that those are our relatives and they deserve the world and they probably serve our country too as well and they just don't get the much respect as they need to. What made you come up with this idea? Well, since my birthday is coming up, I've been thinking for a while what I want to do for my birthday and I really don't want to do anything for myself this time because I usually just go out to eat, go have a big barbecue or something and... I would drive back home and there's somebody right there on the street, hungry, thirsty, just wanting to get something, maybe even a dollar just to get some new drink. But I don't know, I just really get this feeling of guilt in me that I can do something better than this, than just looking and say, well, it's their fault. Well, I don't have to care for them, but we do have to care for them because those are our relatives. What are your plans for the future of this project? I hope that if this project gets really big enough that we can start another project pretty soon and probably get more funding and bigger eyes going and just trying to clear everyone's ears that we're putting on a clear message out here and just trying to speak to leaders and just speak to youth leaders also and just trying to bring everyone together and just help poverty and homelessness together because that's really something that shouldn't be a problem in this world, but it is. What school do you go to? Well, I go to Native American Community Academy, and one of the reasons why I started this was because my mentor, Machpia Black Elk, and he's always been that person that wants to see the better of us and always wants to give back to the community. And I don't know, just me being there most of the time and watching how he does things kind of motivated me. Like, if I do this, how am I going to give back to the community? Now, if I do this... What else can I see for the future of this? And he just really helps me think of how hand-in-hand hand can get to a bit better and beautiful thing. So what we like to think is like a tree. If the tree doesn't have water, how is it going to grow? If it doesn't have sunlight, how is it going to grow? So we try to bring the water and sunlight together and raise the tree. How can people get involved? If you want to get involved with Hydrate the Homeless, contact me on Facebook Messenger at Quincy Walker or you can call NACA Native American Community Academy at 505-266-0992. Again, that's 505-266-0992. Thank you, Quincy. Is there, th is there anything you else you want to add? I just want to add that it doesn't matter if 
you're the one being the bully or the one being homeless, just that we're all equal and that we need to come together to solve issues as one. And if we solve one, we can solve another. Thank you, Quincy, for doing this for the homeless community in Albuquerque. Let's hand it back to Lily Lucal. Thank you so much, Quincy. Our next song is You're My Home by Billy Joel, which talks about finding a home in people instead of places. Enjoy. When you look into my eyes And you see the crazy gypsy in my soul It always comes as a surprise When I feel my withered roots begin to grow I'm Larry Kemp, host of the House That Jazz Built, the progressive, avant-garde, and free jazz program, Sundays in the evening at 11 o'clock on KUNM 89.9 FM. I recently interviewed the young, up-and-coming baritone saxophonist Andrew Hadro. This Sunday at midnight, I'll play back the best parts of that interview, interspersed with music from his first two CDs. The House That Jazz Built, Sunday nights at 11 on KUNM 89.9 FM. Welcome back to Generation Justice. Under the Trump FCC, net neutrality has come under attack, but recently a bipartisan majority of the U.S. Senate kept up the fight for the open Internet. Now, we'll hear from media justice intern Edgar Cruz, who will speak with Timothy Carr of Free Press and Free Press Action Fund, a national organization that fights for communication in media rights. This is Edgar Cruz with Generation Justice. And I'm speaking with Tim Carr, Senior Director of Strategy and Communications for Free Press. Welcome to Generation Justice. Please tell us more about yourself and the work of Free Press. Well, thanks for having me on your program. Uh, Free Press is a not-for-profit organization that's been around for 15 years. And our central mission is to protect everyone's rights to connect and communicate. Uh, What that means in terms of uh, the work we do is that we, we fight for universal access to open networks online. We, we fight to protect Internet freedom by supporting independent non-commercial journalism. Um, we do a lot of work ar- around issues of media ownership. My um, work at Free Press involves organizing and communicating about a whole range of issues, but one of the more important issues that we've been working on over the last 10 years is the issue of net neutrality. And net neutrality is a is essentially the principle that keeps the internet open and available to everyone. And, and it, it really is about like control, like who does control the future of the internet. If you believe that internet users should be in control of the internet um, and not phone and cable companies that provide internet access and you should support net neutrality because essentially it allows us to choose where we go online, uh, decide um, who we would connect with, what services we use without our internet access providers making that decision for us and, and blocking our ability to access certain websites and services. Well, it's been a busy week. Uh, tell us about the vote on Wednesday and what that means. So uh, Free Press has been fighting for net neutrality for more than a dozen years now. And we um, recently, in 2015, 
won a very important victory at the Federal Communications Commission, where they put in place a net neutrality standard that meant that your your internet provider could not in any way block or slow down your connection to the internet. And this is really important for internet users because it really gives them control of, of their online choices. And that 2015 a ruling at the FCC was was a very important win because it really you know kept control over our media experience in our hands. Uh, with the change at the White House, with uh, the Trump administration, also meant that the leadership at the FCC was was going to change as well. They put in place a new chairman there, Ajit Pai, who said one of his primary goals in his tenure was to remove net neutrality protections, to take these protections that we had won in 2015. At the end of last year, they voted to take away net neutrality protections. It's been several months since that vote occurred, but uh, later in this year, June 11th, those protections are scheduled to be removed. What happened this week was a really important victory. We managed to get a majority in the Senate. It was a 52 to 47 vote to pass what's called a resolution of disapproval. And that's a somewhat arcane process in Congress whereby uh, rules that are made by federal agencies can be voided. And so Senate voted to void the anti-net neutrality rule change that was put in place by the FCC. And what usually happens now with these resolutions of disapproval is that it goes to the next chamber. Uh, It will go to the House for a vote as well. And one of the reasons we were successful in convincing a majority of senators to to support net neutrality and reject this Trump FCC decision was through online organizing. Free Press, my organization, Fight for the Future, Demand Progress, the Center for Media Justice, a whole coalition of groups have organized their members and got millions of people to call their members of Congress, to write letters to the FCC, to show up in local meetings wherever a congressperson appears, uh, and to talk about net neutrality. And we managed to convince a bipartisan majority in the Senate to support this repeal of these bad anti-net neutrality rules. Now, we're taking that effort to the House now and hoping that we can organize millions of more people to get engaged in writing and calling their members of Congress and telling them to support this resolution of of disapproval and restore the net neutrality protections we've had. Thank you. And what would it look like to lose those protections for net neutrality? Well, you have a scenario where there are no Internet user protections. There are no protections in place that would protect free speech and choice online. And we live in a world where the companies that provide us with access to the Internet want to take control of the Internet. Because all things media are converging on this medium, it has become very powerful. And what these companies want to do is they want to be able to choose which services, which websites you use so that they can profit from being gatekeepers to the world of information that's online. Um, And so we have a history of these sorts of violations. We have a history where companies like Comcast, which is the largest cable Internet provider in the United States, has blocked access to file sharing services. We've had instances where Verizon um, and AT&T have blocked people's ability 
to use a Google Wallet, which was a it was an online e-commerce service. So they they have taken um, control of their networks and tried to favor certain websites over others and block your access to content. That is what we expect to see. It's a, a world where the internet is no longer this portal to a, a, a universe of of information, but something that, that is more controlled by these very powerful companies who are only looking out for their economic interests and favoring certain content over others. Thank you, Tim. So what happens now? What do we expect now that the vote has moved on to the next chamber and into the House? Well, we hope that uh, a lot of people will take action and get involved with uh, the campaign that we've been running for over a year now. Um, And one of the ways that they can do that is is go to our website, freepress.net, or they can go to a coalition website that's at battleforthenet.com, where we have a lot of tools that allow people to call their members of Congress, write letters to their members of Congress. We also do a lot of local organizing where where people can uh, meet up with others in their community and they can plan to go into the district offices of their members of Congress and meet with them. We've done hundreds of these meetings over the years, and people are really energized by this. We've created a program called Team Internet, where people can become part of a team of like-minded people in their community to do all sorts of activism around this issue. And it's been very successful. On on one occasion, we had 700 rallies in a single day where people came out and met with others in their community. They met up outside of 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 the offices of their members of Congress, or they met outside of Verizon stores, and they protested for net neutrality. This, This grassroots organizing that's going on across the country has been really important in convincing people um, on both sides of the aisle. That message really gets across, and we've had success. We've had success in winning this majority vote in the Senate, and we're hoping that as we move to the House uh, that more people will get engaged and convince their members of Congress to vote for net neutrality. Thank you, Tim. It really has been absolutely fascinating to see and to witness this grassroots network organizing really impact so much legislation, and we hope to continue to see that. Is there anything else you would like to add? Well, there's also been this really interesting phenomenon whereby people have been taking action locally. I mean, by people, I mean local politicians. We have, for example, 120 mayors across the country who've signed an open Internet pledge which basically says that their city is not going to be doing business with any Internet access provider that violates net neutrality. We also have more than 30 states across the country that are looking at state-level legislation that will protect net neutrality. Legislation has been passed already in Washington state, nearly complete uh, in passing legislation in California, but a number of other states have gotten involved. So, so I mean, this isn't simply a matter of you know getting involved with federal elected officials in Congress and, and, and bureaucrats at the FCC, you can actually contact your mayor and ask your mayor to sign on to this net neutrality pledge. And we have also have tools where, where people can do that. That's been really effective as well. And are those tools online on, uh, at Free Press? Um, should we uh, tools are available website? online at freepress.net um, and battleforthenet.com. If you're interested in getting involved by contacting your mayor, you can go to a website that's called mayorsfornetneutrality.org, and there's a long list of 120 mayors who've signed a pledge there. And if you see, if you don't see your mayor on that list, 
there's a tool that you can use to contact him or her and, and urge them to, to sign on to the pledge. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. My pleasure. That was Tim Carr, Senior Director of Strategy and Communications for Free Press. This is Edgar Cruz with Generation Justice. Thank you, Tim, for fighting for our media freedom and our rights. And thank you for your bravery fighting against the government. I know it's going to be a hard thing, but thanks for the pull through. Thank you for fighting to keep net neutrality. The FCC should not favor companies more than the people. Thank you once again. Thank you so much. This next song is titled Caged Bird by Alicia Keys. It is a tribute to the great poet Maya Angelou. family. And so we wanted to remind you again of the Family Pride Day. For more information, call Young Women United at 505-831-8930. We come to the end of another hour of community resistance. We would like to thank our guests, Reed Pike and Timothy Carr, for sharing your work and updates with us. And a special thanks to our music host and interviewer, Lily Lacau and Edgar Cruz. And thank you to my co-host, Quincy Walker, for your work on Hydrate the Homeless. Production assistance came from Kateri Zuni and Roberto Rael with community support from Misty Blue. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org where you can find all of our media work and listen to our podcast, which are also available on SoundCloud and iTunes. We are also active on social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So, check us out. Generation Justice is founded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation and additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Con Alma Health Foundation, the Albuquerque Community Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. Our opening song is Used by the Nation by P.O.D. I'm Quincy Walker, but before we go, I want to say a special regrets to the people in Texas and Santa Fe right now, that their families and their friends and their stu- fellow students that lost their lives in the school shooting on Friday. And just want to send a special regards to the family and friends and students that were involved and know that you will see them again. And I'm Bianca Mitchell. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Take us away, Lily. Our last songs for the night are Sleepwalk by Santo and Johnny, Daylight by Matt and Kim, and lastly, Walking on a Dream by Empire of the Sun. Have a great night, New Mexico. Way through the daylight, sit back and 
Let's go.